Hey, welcome everybody. It's me, David Canastracy. I'm so glad we can be together. If you don't know who I am, I pastor a church called Gateway City Church. We're one church in multiple locations. We're based in San Jose, California, and I have the joy of leading our church for the last 40 years. And uh, we're a church very serious about prayer, especially in the moment that we are in. And so you have stumbled into our first Friday uh, prayer meeting. We have we dedicate the first Friday of every month to prayer. Now, I don't mean like Sunday school prayer or now I lay me down to sleep prayer. We equip and we teach in high-level, intense, passionate prayer. Uh, and the people that join me on this uh, telecast are very serious about prayer. Check us out online at our website, mygatewaycity.church, if you want to know more about us. Uh, but all you need to know for tonight is that we're serious about being a, uh, a house of prayer. And speaking of being a house of prayer, I've got my dear friend with me, Apostle Robert Henderson. I'm going to introduce him to you in just a moment. But Robert, thank you for uh, joining us on the first Friday broadcast of Gateway City Church. How are you, my brother? I'm great, and it's, it's a really great honor to be with you guys. And, and of course, good to see you again, and you and Kathy and everything. But I love, I love Gateway. I mean, you guys are like a, a to, for me and Mary, have been just like this tremendous prototype of what God was doing in church in these, in these days. And so I'm, I'm excited to get, about getting to be a part with you guys. Well, that's a great, a great honor. Thank you for those words. And we love you too. And a little funny thing, your wife has the same exact birthday as my wife. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think we've known each other for about, I don't know, I'm going to say it's about 10 years now, but we stay in pretty good touch and the Lord has us work together. And you've been a huge blessing to Gateway City Church, our family. You've taught us, and I'll talk more about your teaching in, in just a few minutes, but what days we're living in, right? I mean, these are, these are incredible days, especially here in California, but also uh, uh, across the nation. Of course, the COVID crisis is just the beginning of the pain and crisis that people are uh, going through, its impact on our daily lives. I mean, it's, it's just changed everything about life and, and the way we feel. But then, you know, we've witnessed unbelievable, heartbreaking injustices. Uh, we've, we've seen our political leaders tearing at each other and fighting and literally tearing our nation apart ideologically. And um, we've suffered, you know, shuttered schools. I mean, here in California, the parents don't have, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of pressure. You know, you got working men and women who have small children that are trying to work from home because of the pandemic, and then they're trying to educate from home. At the same time, they're working from home. It's super stressful. So we've got exhausted parents, and we have broken businesses, people that love God, and they're going through the worst time in their life with their businesses. And then frustrated churches, churches that are uh, told, you know, you can't gather, you can't sing. I mean, these are just unbelievable uh, times that we're in. And then came the fire, just recently, the fires came to Northern California. Robert, I saw a news report just a few days ago that there had been over 13,500 lightning strikes wow. in California, 13,000. And I'm saying, Lord, if you want my attention, you got it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just a, and everybody knows it's watching, you know, these are just, it, people are anxious, they're frustrated, they're frightened, they're, uh, and they're wondering, you know, when it's all going to end. But you and I are sensing something that is related to prayer that at this time, you know, God is raising people up to pray and people are getting on their knees and what, what do you see God doing, you know, in this hour, this unusual hour? Well, you know, when you, when you were started talking, I thought, you know, all the stuff we've been taught for years that maybe we haven't ever used. I mean, maybe we've used it on some level, but it's like, this is an opportunity for us to now use everything we've actually been educated in and taught about for a long, long time. I mean, we've always believed that prayer works, that prayer changes things, that we can we can cry out to God, He'll hear us, He'll answer. But this is on a completely different level for most of us. I mean, um, maybe maybe not since the you know World War II, whenever the world was in 
the, the places that it was in there and the and the you know the the the, the drama and the c- catastrophes and all that was happening there has has the whole world been in a place like this and so it's like we need a god that is the god of all the earth yeah. <laughs> the god of all the, the world actually to move and to answer our cry uh on an individual level on a, on a regional level but but the whole world i mean i mean who would have thought that we would be in a situation where the whole world would be in the place that it's in so i believe that it's time for god's god's people uh, worldwide on a global level but all of us as individuals to rise up yes. and begin to petition him because because it would seem that this this would be the time for God to manifest himself, for God to reveal himself in his glory and his power. But I believe that that is definitely connected to our crying out to him. He doesn't just do it. We understand no. that. He doesn't just do things. He has to, if you will, be granted legal rights to come and manifest himself in the earth that he actually gave us charge over. Psalms 115 says he gave the earth to the sons of men. Well, that means that means that God, out of his sovereignty, has said, I, I need for you to agree with me. I mean, otherwise, why would Jesus have said, pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, if, if he didn't need us involved, he wouldn't have told us to pray that kind of prayer. Well, some people say, Robert, well, God's just going to do whatever he's going to do. You know, God is sovereign. And of course, God is sovereign. But God has chosen to work through this ministry, this calling, this, this powerful practice of prayer and intercession. And it's, it's just so, uh, so vital for us that we catch right now. I've, I've been saying to people, uh, as I look at all the pressures and legal problems and justice problems and race problems and cities on fire and, and uh, the pandemic and everything, I'm not a, I'm not a medical expert. Don't, don't ask me for medical advice. I can't, I, I'm not an epidemiologist. I don't know how some people say it's dangerous. Some people say it's not. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. And I don't have a button that I can push to make all this go away. But I do know how to pray. Yep. I know how to pray. And I know how to lead people in prayer. And that's actually what this time is is really all about at such a desperate moment there are promises that we can claim and prayers that we can pray to address you know the needs that people are feeling in their families in their businesses in their personal life i know a lot of people are dealing with all kinds of stuff just on a personal level but then we've got huge national issues that we got to be thinking about right now i mean our nation is uh, is at a tipping point it's a it's a it's like in basketball, what do you call that? The, the tip-off, man. It could go either way. Mm-hmm. And every inch counts, right? Mm-hmm. And we've got we to gotta hit that ball, and we got to get this game going so that we can really win in the spirit. So thank you for um, joining this time. And you that are uh, watching at this time, this, uh, this broadcast, I want you to stay with us through the whole uh, – uh, time. This is going to be about an hour. We're going to spend time together. Robert's going to teach. He's going to activate and pray for you. That means he's going to pray that God would impart something to you that you'll be actually changed as a, as a man, as a woman, as a person of prayer. You're going to receive something during this time. And that's, that's awesome. I mean, uh, the impartation that's going to take place. And then Robert and I are going to pray together and lead you in prayers for our nation and for families. And we're going to practice a little bit what we preach about prayer and not just talk about it, but uh, doing it. Let me just tell you guys a little bit about Robert Henderson before we turn him loose. I've got a little housekeeping and people are still joining in on Facebook and on our uh, website. So let me just say a few things while people are uh, joining in the, the broadcast tonight. Apostle Henderson's uh, unique teaching on the courts of heaven has been one of his greatest contributions to the international body of Christ. He also leads Global Reformers, which is an international family of apostolic people, high-level, amazing people. They are leaders that have passion to affect the nations, and 
Robert's just been a builder. He's helped me build Gateway uh, with his gifting, with his prophetic uh, ministry. You gave us a powerful uh, prophecy at the beginning of the year, Robert. I haven't forgotten that. And generally, you know, our church starts the year with a, a prayer immersion. We just go, we call it a prayer surge, and uh, and we teach and preach on prayer, and then we have a 24-hour prayer meeting, and you've been a huge part of that, and, and Robert's going to be pouring into us uh, today, and I'm really grateful that he's joining us with First Friday Prayer um, at church. Also, let me just say, too, that it, even though you're seeing just me and Robert at this point, a lot of times we'll have a whole team uh, on these First Friday Prayer meetings. We'd have up to 10, 20 people praying, but I wanted Robert to have a lot of time just to equip and unpack the things that are on his heart. So I want to say hi to all of our First Friday prayer leaders, our Friday night prayer leaders, all our pastors. Hey guys, all of our elders and our fired up red hot thermonuclear <laughs> uh, intercessors at Gateway. You guys are amazing. We love you. And actually, they are in the chat area right now. Uh, there are pastors and people. So let's get you prayed for. If you need prayer uh, during, this, uh, during this telecast, go ahead and chime in on the comment section. Let us know how we can pray because we've got people in real time that will be praying with you and uh, lifting you up. And then don't just watch this time. Don't just watch and listen to Robert and to me, but join us and receive, you know, from the Lord. Now, Robert, we've been talking about these incredible days that we're in, and this moment that we are in, um, what do you observe in the body of Christ right now? Like, how are we doing? Are we praying? Are we rising up? Do you see anything happening with the church in this time? Well, I, th I, I would think that, that it would seem that people's attention is being... Uh, gotten a hold of. In other words, maybe maybe some that have been not as hot as as should have been. Maybe more toward the lukewarm state. I think that there is a stirring. I I actually felt like the Lord gave me a word, David. I actually felt like that out of Luke 15, where it talks about the prodigal son. You know how he left his father's house and mm -hmm. he uh, went into a foreign land, spent all of his his substance with riotous living. It says in the King James version. And he says, there came a famine in the land. Mm. And I thought, and, and this is what I felt like the Lord said. I felt like the Lord said that during this famine, mm. that there would be a restoring and a returning of prodigals. Awesome. That, that somehow or another within this time frame where everything is shaking. And, and, and we, you know, we've all used the scripture for years. Everything can be shaken, will be shaken. Well, it's shaking. Everything's shaking. And I really believe that, that what's happening is that there is a solidifying of, of, of believers and a rising up believers. I think there's going to be returning of prodigals. I believe that people ought to begin to pray for their prodigals to come home. Uh, but also, you know, there'll probably be some that'll be shaken out uh, because Paul talked about those whose faith was in the wisdom of men and not the power of God. Mm -hmm. And we have some of that in the church. We have people mm -hmm. who's, they, they've, they've, they, they've just believed in a philosophy and an ideology, but they've never had a real encounter with the power of God. Well, I think there's going to be a, I think there's going to be some of that where people are walking away. Maybe they'll be walking away from the church or yeah. walking away from prayer. What good does prayer do? What good is the church? Yes. They'll be shaken out. That's what you say. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And because I think, I think the Bible does say that that will happen. But, but I also believe that it will manifest the need in some people's lives. And they'll, they'll start looking for something for that other, the other realm that they, they'll begin to realize, wait, I don't have that. I don't have it. I don't have encounters in God's power. I don't right. have times where I can actually have my faith rooted in that because I've encountered him on that level. And I think God will use that to actually bring men. Because I do, but this is what I do believe. I believe that in the middle of all this, there is a mighty revival brewing for our nation and the world. That's what I do believe. I do believe that with every part of my being. And that's going to do, that's going to answer a lot of questions for a lot of people. I love that. And, you know, isn't it interesting that, that, that we're all in this together? I mean, we're, we're, we've said that a thousand times. We're sick of saying it. But it really is true that, we're going through the same pressure. Um, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Mm. And I had a theology professor years and years ago that said, you know, the human heart is amazing in its predisposition to its surroundings. So you have the sunlight or the heat coming down, 
and on one heart, that that sun and that heat would melt their heart and soften it. But on another heart, it will harden it. Mm. And I think this is such a time you're talking about people maybe leaving the church, getting discouraged. I think this is a time to really make sure we have the kind of a heart that when the heat comes, that we don't harden, but that instead we soften and we get closer to the Lord and receive more of uh, what he has for us, especially in the, uh, the area of prayer. Yeah, you know, you know, you said that, I think about what the Apostle Paul said. He talked about they as an apostolic people. They were to one an aroma of death. Mm-hmm. He literally says that to the other were an aroma of life. And it, it all depended on, it, it was about the individual person, the way that they were receiving uh, uh, Paul and what he was bringing. He said to some, he said, we're actually, we actually produce death in them because they don't receive us. They don't, they don't, they don't, they can't grab hold of what we're actually saying. And then he said to the others, we're the aroma of life. Right. And, actually, and so I, I think about that when you, when you, uh, when you say that, because I do believe that, that I, I do believe in the middle of all this, it's almost like there's a dividing line. And I don't mean to be, it's not, that's not negative. It's no. just that there is this, there is this dividing yeah. line. And I think about Paul when he said, examine yourself mm-hmm. to see whether you're in the faith or not. And, and I think, and you know, the, the Apostle Paul, I mean, think about this. The Apostle Paul, this is the guy that wrote the major part of the New Testament. He says, he said, he said you know, I examine myself, lest, lest, lest after I have preached to others, I myself might be a castaway. Right. And I mean, I, I actually know what that feels like. I'm, I'm like, I don't, I try not to take anything for granted. I walk in the, in the security of who the Lord is and who I am in the Lord, but I also realize you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter my pedigree or my accomplishments or the books I've written or any, that doesn't matter. I'm going to stand before the Lord one of these days and I am going to give an account to him of, of what I have done. Uh, and, and that puts the fear of God in me in a good way, in a good way. It makes us want to double down and be passionate, you know, and, and, and re, you know, relight the fire. If, if the fire has gone out, it can be relit, right? We yes. can, we can receive um, a fresh touch from the Lord. We we can we don't have to stay half backslidden and half hearted. You know, we can choose today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It reminds me of this story uh, you and I were talking before we came on the air about that story in the Old Testament of the the king that was told there was an army surrounding his his nation and. And it was, a, it was a, a, a very desperate moment. And the prophet came and told him, he said, take the arrows and strike the ground, for so you shall strike your enemies. And the king struck three times, and the prophet rebuked him. He said, you should have struck five or six or seven times. But because you've only been half-hearted, because you only hit it three times, you're not going to have the full victory. And I, I don't know, that's a haunting, uh, that's a haunting passage. My, my point in sharing that is that it feels like the Holy Spirit is wooing us to a place of full commitment to him. That, that even in prayer, we've got we've to go for it. We can't be half-hearted in this time because we don't, we don't have any levers to pull other than uh, the lever of prayer. And I think it's time for passionate prayer. So in just a minute, I want you to teach us and share with us what God has given to you for Gateway City Church and all of our friends who might be listening. You guys are going to enjoy some amazing teaching. Let me just mention really quick that tonight is the kickoff of a seven-week strategy of prayer that the Holy Spirit assigned me. We're calling it a seven-week prayer surge. Now, we've done 24-hour prayer surges in the past. But I'm calling everyone at Gateway, and I'll give you more more details uh, toward the end of our time together. But I'm calling everybody to a place of rising up in faith in a brand new dimension of prayer to pray for families, to pray for those that are sick, to pray for our nation at a at a very crucial time, and to pray for the nations of the of the world. We gotta we've gotta we've gotta flip the script, man. Because the devil has written a script here for planet Earth and for your life and for America. And we need to flip that over and say, oh, no, you don't. No, no, no. And the way we do that is with prayer. And it's, it's such an important thing. So 
Robert, I know the Lord speaks to you all the time about prayer. Just open your heart to the people and equip us a little bit about the area of prayer. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, again, it's a tremendous uh, honor and opportunity to, to get to be a part here. But, you know, as David said earlier, I teach on uh, and I'm known for the court of heaven teaching. And just to say something real uh, quickly about that, uh, when Jesus taught on prayer in the book of Luke, he put prayer in three dimensions, approaching God as a father, as a friend. But then in Luke 18, he, he talks about a widow who come before an unjust judge yes. and, and said to the unjust judge, avenge me of my adversary or get justice for me. And the judge wouldn't give her a verdict, but she kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept presenting her case. And finally, he said, I'm going to give her what she wants, lest by her continual coming, she wears me out. And, and the point of that parable was basically this. The moral of the story was if this widow could get an, a verdict from an unjust judge, how much more can we come before the judicial system of heaven? The judge of all the earth, uh, uh, Hebrews 12, uh, 24 calls God, the judge of all the earth. How much more can we come before him and see him render decisions and verdicts in our behalf? And so there's actually an understanding that we approach God as a father, most of us wouldn't understand that. We could approach him as a friend because Jesus talked about that in Luke 11, 5 through 8. But then this whole issue of approaching him as judge, which involves dealing with legal issues right. that the enemy would use against us. For instance, in 1 Peter 5, 8, he said, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. That is the Greek word antidikos, A-N-T-I-D-I-K-O-S. And it literally means, literally means one who brings a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So he's saying your antidikos, the devil, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he says, literally, the enemy cannot devour us except he discovers a legal right to do it from. Mm -hmm. So we have to go into the courts, if you will, and take the blood of Jesus that speaks in our behalf, according to Hebrews 12, 24, and answer any case that Satan has against us that he would be claiming the right to be able to devour us from. See, this is one of the reasons why some people's prayers have not been answered, even though they've been praying according to the word of God for years. Mm -hmm. and, and yet it seems like nothing happens, or maybe even it gets worse. Well, the reason for that is there's a, there's a legal case. And so you have to go and you have to take the blood of Jesus, according to Revelation uh, 12, 11, or uh, yeah, 12, 11, where he says that we overcame him by the blood of the lamb. So we take the blood and we say, we ask for the blood to speak in our behalf. We repent, which, by the way, which is very important because First John chapter 1 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then it says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Well, what that means is if, I, if, I'm, if I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, God said to me one time, he said, that's not perfect living, that's honest living. In other words, I, I become honest with God. I say, God, these issues are in my life. I repent. Well, when I do that, when I bring that out of darkness into the light, which is what repentance is, then I have just given the blood the legal right to cleanse me from all sin and, and from all unrighteousness. And so I tell people, you know, when you do that, then the legal claims the enemy is seeking to use against you is removed. Okay, yeah. now, now God is freed to move in your behalf and to rebuke and revoke any devouring force that would be working against us and our family. So I'm just saying all that to say that, that that's just a very small idea about the concept of the court of heaven. That's on a personal level. Okay, I'm, I'm saying that because if we're going to address things on a cultural level, and I, I use that term a lot, because that means nations, that means cities, right. that means states. Uh, right. That that can that, that it doesn't just have to be geographical. It's it's culture. It's like it's like right. if we're going to if we if we need God to move in culture, then this is what I've discovered. Then I probably or I may not be able as an individual to have a real large effect on culture. But if I am a part of a house of prayer. Yes. A corporate man. Yes. Now I can come and stand as a part of that corporate uh, man, that cult, that the house of prayer that I'm going to read in just a moment, literally, and I can represent the culture I'm a part of. Let me explain to you this way. When Abraham stood before uh, the Lord in regards to Sodom and Gomorrah, 
he said, you know, we know he finally said, if there's 10 righteous, will you spare it for 10 righteous? And God agreed. Okay, but there wasn't 10 righteous. So Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. I tell people this. I said, what God was looking for was a house of prayer. Those 10 righteous would have constituted a house of prayer. And God literally said, if there's, if there's 10 righteous that would, if you will, constitute a house of prayer, they can represent the culture before me wow. and give me the legal right to spare the whole culture. Wow. We, wow. Think, we think we need everybody to repent. No, we need something that can represent the culture before the Lord. And that something is called a house of prayer. That, and, and that house of prayer is from within a culture. See, for instance, I thought, okay, if Abraham was so powerful before God that he could convince God to, um, spare, a nation, uh, to spare Solomon and Gomorrah, uh, if there's 10 righteous, why didn't Abraham just ask? Why didn't he just say, God, do this for me? And the Lord said to me, he said, because Abraham wasn't a part of the culture of Solomon and Gomorrah. He couldn't represent the culture before me because he wasn't a part of the culture. It takes something from within a culture to represent the culture before the Lord. And so I believe every, every culture, every state, every city, every nation has to have within it a people that is a, that is a house of prayer that can actually represent that culture before the Lord and give God the legal right to spare it and move in his behalf. Yeah. And see, we see that in, um, in Revelations chapter, uh, chapter 56, I'm not Revelation, Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 7. Isaiah 56 and verse 7. And this, this one verse has just apprehended my attention. Because here's what it says. It says, even them, and I may get to who them are <laughs> in just a minute. It's because it is a group of people that's mentioned in Isaiah 56. He says, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Yeah. And let me just say this, that word house of prayer, that word prayer there, it is the Hebrew word palal, P-A-L-A-L. And it doesn't mean to make a request, it means to judge. Yeah. So see, we don't understand. God says a house of prayer will be given the right to not just make requests, but to render judgments That's the in my behalf that will set things in order for God's will to be done in the earth. Wow. And so he said, he said, this, this is the authority that God would grant to this house of prayer. So he says, even them I will bring, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Now that's quite interesting because what, what, what you will discover is that houses of prayer, actually their offerings, their, their literal financial offerings carry great weight. It mixes with their prayer. See, this is what happened with Cornelius in Acts 10, when his offerings that he brought to help the poor mixed with his prayers, it created a memorial that spoke right. before God. That's right. And so, so when we bring offerings as a house of prayer uh, and, and, and sow them and offer them on the altar, if you will, it literally creates a memorial that speaks before God and, 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 and grasp his attention uh, in behalf of the culture we're representing. Mm-hmm. And, and we have, I've actually, we practice that quite a bit in some of the things we do. And, and it actually bring, brings a whole nother dimension to why we bring offerings. Um, it's not just because we're supposed to do it or because we want to be blessed. It actually has a power to speak in behalf of the culture. In fact, let me just share this. When Noah comes out of the ark in Genesis 8, Oh, yeah. I love this. When Noah comes out of the ark in Genesis 8, verses 22, 22, the first thing he does is he builds an altar. Yeah. And he offers animals on that altar. And it says that when God smells the aroma yeah, of that offering, he, he renders, he does two things. He says, no more curse. Mm. And he literally makes a judicial decree. No more curse. And then he says, the economy is reset. He said, seed time and harvest. That was a resetting of the economy of the earth. So God does two things. He lifts a curse off the earth and he resets the economy of the earth. And that was all because he was responding to an aroma that was coming from the offering that Noah was bringing. Now, I thought, okay, Noah comes out of the ark and is he bringing that offering just in behalf of himself and his family? And I saw, no. See, Noah by virtue of being the only one left alive, was now the government of God in the earth. 
He was the government of God. And so when he brought the offering, he wasn't bringing it just in behalf of himself and his family. He was bringing it in behalf of the earth he was representing. And so that gave God the legal right to lift the curse off the whole earth. Wow. See, we need to understand as the church, as the ecclesia, as the house of prayer, when we pray and bring an offering, it is speaking in behalf of the culture we're representing. And wow. God says, it will give me the right to make judicial decrees, to lift curses off of the earth and actually reset the economy of nations. See, I, I believe that with every fiber of my being, that that is, that that is a part of our function as a house of prayer. So he says, he says, their burnt offerings, are, their sacrifices will be accepted. And then it says, from my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now, for years, I would read that and I would think, okay, a house of prayer it shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Does that mean we're praying for nations? Does that mean, you know, what does that mean exactly? And I really felt like the Lord said, look, what I mean by that is that that this house of prayer will have the right to represent nations before me, that they will, they, as a house of prayer, they will be able to stand and say, um, I am representing this specific particular culture before the Lord. And I am, I am standing, if you will, in the courts of heaven, and I am removing any legal claim the enemy has and saying, now God has the right to bless rather than allowing this thing to be consumed. Now, just to kind of back that up, when I first started teaching on the courts of heaven, uh, it, was in, it was in 2010 when I started. So I've been teaching on this stuff for 10 years. And so if, if I don't get it by now, I'll never get it. <laughs> but I've been doing this for 10 years. And so... Um, one year after I started teaching on it, it, I remember it was November of 2011. And I have this very, very prophetic dream. You know, it kind of shocked me when I have it because, okay, it's 2011 and that's 10 years after 9-11. 9-11 happened in 2001. And in my dream, C.C. Sheets, which is the wife of Dutch Sheets. Yeah. Okay. And Dutch, you know, strong apostolic, uh, prayer leader in America and all that. But in my dream, CC had sent me Dutch's official response to 9-11. And, and, uh, and it was like a two or three paragraph thing on a letterhead. But then at the bottom of the, of the response, CC had, had handwritten what she had seen in the spirit world that had allowed 9-11 to occur. Now, none of this, you know, none of this happened in, you know, the real world. This was just a dream I was having. Right. And so she had written in her handwriting what she had seen in the spirit world that allowed 9-11 to occur. And what she wrote was that just like there were four living creatures crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty before the throne of God. There were four demonic counterparts, and they were saying, Bach denied, Bach denied, Denied. And I knew in the dream it was B-O-C. So I wake up. Well, when I get up, I thought, and I remember it's still night. And I get up and I think, Bob, Bob, what is that Hebrew? Is that Greek? What is that? And so I do research, can't find it anywhere. Finally, I just pulled the computer out and I Google B-O-C. Well, it, the first thing that came up is acronyms for body of Christ. Wow. And instantly, instantly, the Lord said to me, he said, 9-11, he said, happened. Because the enemy found a legal right to deny the body of Christ its influence before my courts. Wow. In other words, back in, nine, back in 2001, we, we weren't unified. We had no unity. We were all chasing our own blessings, doing our own thing. But the bottom line, whatever his case was, he denied the body of Christ the right to have an effect. And so not, and the Lord said to me, 9-11 was not the result or 9-11 was not the judgment of God. It was the absence of the church. Wow. Wow. And, and I realized, and I started thinking, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of its sin. It was destroyed because of the absence of a house of prayer. An absence of a corporate people that could represent the culture before the Lord and could actually say, Lord, let 
let your will be done. Let the case against us be dismissed. Let your blood speak. Lord, we come as a people from within the culture to represent the culture before you so that you have the passion to fulfill your heart toward us rather than the cruelties of the enemy being unleashed against us. Wow. Now, see, that's what I believe a house of prayer is for, is that we are here to represent the, a culture before the Lord and give God the legal right to set his passion and his will in place, which is always redemption, which is always salvation. Uh, any, if anything other than that happens, it's because the enemy has found the legal claim to, to be able to orchestrate that or to devour that. There's just a couple of things I just mentioned here real quickly. Notice in verse 7, like I said, this scripture captured my attention. It says, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. When the Bible talks about a holy mountain, he's not talking about a geographical location. He's talking about a spiritual dimension. See, the holy mountain is a governmental dimension in the spirit. What that means is that this house of prayer, this corporate people that God brings together, that God puts together, that can stand and pray in, in unity, uh, it, it literally means that they will be able to stand in a governmental place of the spirit that will let them and, and, the, and the things they do, the activities that they function in, in that place will actually affect cultures, not just individuals. I, I, I use this analogy. I say, you know, if me and my wife at home, we look at our budget and we say, you know, I look at Mary and I say, you're spending too much money. You're going to Marshall's way too often, which is a story here. Um, and and we're gonna have we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to scale back some of these purchases. You know, whatever we need, we need to get our spending under control. That's one thing. The decisions we make there affect our our family, our home. Okay, but let's say I'm a part of the of the legislator uh, legislation of Texas the House of Representative of Texas. And then I go into that, and I sit in that seat. And we began to make decisions about spending as it, as it uh, affects Texas. And we make similar decisions in that arena. Well, guess what? Those decisions that I'm a part of making there, they affect a state, not just a house. And, and so I tell people, I say, look, Right. It, it's according to the dimension of the spirit we're standing in. Yeah. I can pray for me and my house. But when I pray as a part of a house of prayer, literally, I get the opportunity to stand in a governmental place of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And the decisions we make there, which may be very similar to what I've done on a personal level, they actually have the right to affect the culture. Wow. For instance, when God, when Solomon built the temple, uh, and, 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 uh, and dedicated it in First Kings. Okay, he, he prayed a prayer of dedication. The presence of God came so strong they couldn't stand the minister. But then when you look through First Kings chapter 8 and you look through his prayer of dedication, here's what he said. He said, if anybody comes into this temple and prays and asks for this or asks for this or asks for this, it'll be, he said, even if you're carried away captive to another country, and you actually look and turn and look back to that temple. Right. That's what he, he said. said. He said, he literally said, he said, God's going to hear you. And so he's talking about the exponential increase of prayer power that comes to us when we're a part of a house of prayer. Mm -hmm. Because we're not looking to a physical temple. God says, if you come together and you become a part of a house of prayer, guess what happens? Not only does your prayers affect culture, your prayers go up in exponential power and might so that the prayers you've been praying by yourself now have another level of authority, even in regards to yourself and your family, wow. because you're doing it as a part of a house of prayer. And that's why I tell people, I say, whatever you do, become a part of a people of prayer. Yeah. Become a part of, of, of city gate. Uh, or of, of Gateway City Church, become a part of that group that is praying and standing in behalf of the culture. It will cause an exponential increase of prayer power on every level. Mm -hmm. Now, just, just one more thing I would just say, the them, it says even them. When you look through chapter 56 of them, there's three groups of them. Okay, the first one is in, uh, uh, is in Isaiah 56. And it says, um, 
um, verse 3, do not let the son of the foreigner or the stranger, it says, who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. So the first group are strangers. These are people who say, you know, I just don't feel like I fit. I just don't feel like I'm, I just don't understand. I, I, I try to fit in. I just never can fit. Watch, God says to you, don't say God separated me from his people. Mm-hmm. He said, don't, don't believe that lie. Don't believe that assumption. He said, he said, realize that God wants to take you and make you a part of his prayer. Maybe the place you fit is to be a part of prayer. Yeah. See, see so, so he says, don't, don't make that. And then he says to the next group, he says to the eunuchs, which obviously are those who have no power to procreate. It says, uh, it says, uh, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me. It says he will give them a name better than that of sons and daughters. Um, and he says, don't let them say, don't let them say, behold, I'm a dry tree or I have no ability to impregnate. I have no ability to cause conception to occur. So here's what he's saying to the eunuch. He's saying, you're the frustrated uh, and the fruitless ones. Right. You, 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 you have this frustration because you never can seem to produce. Here's what God says. When you become a part of a house of prayer, he said, I'm going to give you a name better than that of sons and daughters. Well, guess what a unit doesn't have? A unit doesn't have a legacy. Right. See, a unit cannot give birth to sons and daughters. God said, I will give you a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give you, if you will, spiritual children that you have been a part of birthing and you will have a legacy that will follow after you because you have become a part of my house of prayer. But then he says to the last group here down in verse eight, it says, um, uh, it talks about the Lord gathering the outcast. And that literally means those who are rejected. Um, and so, and I, and, 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 David would know, and we all know, we've all gone through it. Listen, we all know the, 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 um, the sense of being rejected. Um, in fact, I, I'll tell you a real quick story. My pastor that raised me up in ministry for uh, eight years, he groomed me and discipled me and, and all that. But there were times where he would withdraw from me. And I would feel this, and I would be, I was on staff, I worked for him. And I would think, what did I do wrong? Because my one passion was to, you know, was to please, please. him. Yeah. And, and, and so it was like my worst nightmare that I wasn't pleasing him. And, and so what, but what I would do, I would go into prayer, I would seek the Lord, and I would, I would feel this acceptance of the Lord come. And I would think, okay, well, the Lord accepts me, I'm pleasing to the Lord, all that kind of thing. Well, time passed, I was sent out, planted, uh, began to pastor my own church, all this, but I lived close enough by that every now and then, you know, I lived within an hour, I would drive back to that, that church. And, and so I drove back in one day and I was going to go see the pastor and just hang out. And, uh, so I, I drive in and the secretary says, Oh, I'm sorry. You missed him. He, he just left and he will not be back today. I said, okay, no problem. She looks at me and she says, but he told me something about you the other day. And she'd been there forever. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, he told me that there were times when you were here that he would withdraw himself from you. And I thought, he did. I I knew he did. I thought it wasn't my imagination. She said, he said there were times that he would withdraw himself from you. And then he said he made this statement to me. He said, he said to me, because if Robert can't handle rejection, Robert can't be in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, because the Lord spoke to me. See, what did they say of Jesus? Jesus was the stone which the builders rejected that became the chief cornerstone. See, God will use rejection to fashion us and form us for our ultimate place. We, we all, I mean, I always tell people, I say, I'm sure other aspects of society get rejected. But listen, if you can't handle rejection, you can't be in the ministry. Okay. You're going to get rejected. It's going to come. But, but I said, and then I, so I said, I tell people, I said, but the real truth is if you can't handle rejection, you can't even do life <laughs> because, because we all know what it is to feel rejected. But here's the deal. God will actually use that rejection to fashion us for our ultimate destiny. Right. That's what he did with Jesus. This stone, which the builders rejected, became the chief cornerstone. Yeah. So having said that, see, God actually says, look, I'll take the rejected ones. I'll take the eunuchs. I'll take the strangers. I will fashion them into a house of prayer that will shape nations. I'll fashion them into a house of prayer that will stand and represent cultures before me. 
that gives me the right to revoke every legal case the enemy would claim he has to destroy our nation and literally see put in place my intent, my purposes based on the covenant I had with the fathers. By the way, the word antidikos, the adversary, yes. it comes from two words, anti, which means to be against uh, and, and to be instead of, and dikos, which means rights. So what he comes to do with his legal cases is he seeks to deny us what's rightfully ours. Mm -hmm. And there are covenant promises that were made to our founding fathers about our nation. And covenants that they made with God, and I believe God made with them, that literally we have the right to come and say, God, this is the foundation our nation was, was, was a fashion formed and founded upon. We're asking that this be remembered before you. And we're asking that any case the enemy would claim to have, they would deny us that right. We're asking for that to be revoked by the blood of Jesus and, and, and for your purposes to be fulfilled and your will to be done within our nation. See, that's our right as a house of prayer. Now, I can do that as an individual, but it has so much power, more power, when I am a part of a house of prayer representing a culture before the Lord. Because I believe that that's what it takes to be able to secure mercy for a culture rather than to see destruction come. And you can see how badly the enemy wants to separate people yes. from the body of Christ, you know, and, and discourage people because he doesn't want that house of prayer coming together. That's right. And he wants to get us chasing after uh, money and feeling sorry for ourselves and whatever strategies he can do, he does not want us to connect to the local church and what you said about giving and offerings. That's, that's, totally powerful. I was thinking about the one time that Jesus flipped over the tables was when they brought, uh, they brought the issue of money into the courtyard of the Gentiles, which was, see, his vision for his house was, this will be a house of prayer for all nations. Right. And what they had done was they had set up in the, in the court of nations, mm. the court of the Gentiles, they, were, they had allowed greed to get into and block, and that's the one thing that Jesus can't stand for. That's good. Is anything that would stand between his heart for the nations, to see nations changed, to see people aligned to, to the Father and brought to the Father's house. So, Robert, this is, you know, this is also powerful. What has to happen, though, right now? Like, given the moment that we're in, because I said to you, Robert, you could talk about anything you want to, anything in the area of prayer, and you said, in a half a second, I'm going to talk about a house of prayer for all nations. Now, why? Why now a house of prayer? What is God doing with well, this? Because, because, of the, uh, because as, as important as our own individual needs are and, yeah. and things that, you know, when, when somebody's in a need, I mean, it consumes their every, every, every moment, if you will. We, need, we all have this need to survive and, and, and to get by. But there's actually something more important, in, which I believe that Jesus said when he said, if you seek my kingdom first and all of his righteousness, he said, I'll meet all your other needs. See, I believe sometimes in our chasing after our needs being yeah. met, if we would just stop and say, God, what's on your heart? What's, yeah. what, what is it you want to do in, in, this, in this state? What is it you want to do in this nation? Lord, I want to allow Then God says, if you'll put that as your passion, I will make sure your needs get met. Wow. And so, so having said that, I believe the, the reason I said house of prayer is because is because I think some of us have formed and fashioned out of the leading of the Holy Spirit houses of prayer. I think we need to know how important they are. Yeah. I think that like 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 uh, at, at Gateway, I think I think that 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 you guys are you've been you've been in this for years, but I think if if, if they could if the people could say, man. This adds a whole nother dimension. We're not just individual people, people coming together separately, spending a little bit of time in prayer. We actually have an audience before the court yeah. of heaven, yeah. and we have a right to represent a culture. Yeah. And, and, and the whole issue of money, see, I believe when we bring our tithes and our offerings um, and, and we bring them as a house of prayer. And I mean, it's, it's not that we change anything we're doing. It's just, okay, Lord, now I understand. 
this money is releasing an incense before you from us as a house of prayer. And it is bearing witness in your courts and giving you the right to render judgment against everything that's seeking to afflict us. And, and, I, I, and, and actually crying out to God in agreement with what our finances are saying before him because they do have a voice. And so it's, you know, it, 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 it's brought a whole nother level of, of, um, of grace into my life when I began to understand these things. That's a, a remarkable. And I, I really believe that uh, this is what God is saying right now is that we've got to be a house of prayer or we'll lose the nation. We'll lose the culture. We'll lose the next generation if we don't become uh, a house of prayer. And it's shocking to me to look at church websites and you can't find a prayer meeting. <laughs> you can't find, you can find all the teachings on management and leadership and, and, uh, you know, all how to be wealthy and all of that. But the Lord Jesus wants, wants us to be a house of prayer. And I know people are overwhelmed and they're going through so many, but so many things, but Robert, would you begin to pray for people and, and, just ask that God awakens in us, in Gateway and in us corporately and in the body of Christ in America, because I'm grieved for our nation right now. And, yes. and just pray however you feel led. And, and then I want to pray a little bit too. What else have you got? Well, I was going to show you this, and because this all ties together. Zechariah 12, because this is what I want to pray for the people. Zechariah 12, verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of, the, of Jerusalem the spirit of grace right. and supplication. Yep. And then it says, then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. So what we do, because, well, let me just finish this. In that day, there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning at Hadad Rimon. In the, and then it begins to talk about it. Every family by itself, mourning. Mm -hmm. So in other words, multiple houses of prayer. Wow. When it says family, it says multiple houses of prayer will come under this spirit of grace and supplication that will allow them to pray into reality everything Jesus died for. Because that's what it means. It says they'll look upon him that was pierced. In other words, they will recognize by revelation what Jesus did for us. It's now, right. we as a house of prayer are praying that into reality right. because there is a spirit of grace and supplication coming on us. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I want to pray. I want to pray for an impartation of a spirit of grace and supplication that would empower us to not only become a house of prayer, but to pray as a house of prayer before the Lord. Come on. Well, just, just go for it, man. We're okay, ready. So, so, Father, I just want to bless your people. I want to thank, thank you. you for all of these that are watching that are part of Gateway, others that are watching yeah. from other places. Yeah. Lord, your word says there in Zechariah that there would be multiple different families that would come under this spirit of grace and supplication. So there is going to be a, a manifestation of multiple houses of prayer that are formed in fashion. So, Father, I thank you right now that you are, Lord, causing the spirit of grace and supplication to come that yes. would fashion us yes. into houses of prayer yes. that could stand in the holy mountain of God in yes. the governmental dimension of the spirit yes. and contend for the cultures we are a part of. Lord, I decree that it will not be as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. I say there uh -huh. will not be an absence of a house of prayer that, yes. that allows destruction yes. to come. But I say there will be a house of prayer that will stand and represent the culture and mercy shall be found yes. and mercy shall be secured. Lord, yes. even in those days, Lord, there is, Lord, I say now a spirit of grace and supplication. Yes. Lord, I, I even just, it's almost like when Jesus was at the river Jordan and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. I pray right now that mantle, yes. that mantle of grace and supplication would now come and 
and saturate us, Lord. And Lord, even I pray as Saul was turned into another man. Your word says when he turned from the prophets and went, and he, or he met the prophets, that he was turned into another man. Lord, even those that would think that, that, that this wouldn't be for them, I say that they even now are being turned into another uh, a kind of person, Lord God, that we would stand mixed together as, as people that are a part of the house of prayer, Lord. Yes, standing as a, as a people, a corporate people to represent cultures before you. So, Lord, right now, we just by faith, and all of you that are watching, I just say, by faith, we receive yes. the spirit of grace and supplication yes. that would now come upon yes. us, Lord. Receive. That would just settle over us. And, Lord, that your name would be known and your passions would be fulfilled. Yes. Lord, not only in us as individuals and as families, but even as cultures, Lord. Good Lord. Lord, Father, we we just want to say we're desperate before you. Yes, we're yes. desperate before you. And we're asking for the outpouring of your presence and of your spirit, O oh God, yes. that would reclaim us and reclaim the cultures, Lord, that you actually died for on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for doing yes. this, Lord, even now, Lord, Lord. I just see you, it's, it's, Lord. I just see you breathing into the nation, Lord, almost like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, yes, come on, that come you on. would bring a resuscitating yes, of life and of hope that has been lost, oh God, yes, that there would be a resuscitating of us into the purposes of God and to the intent of the Lord. And Lord, that we would begin to come back to life yes. for the spiritual life that only you, Lord, can bring. We ask that you would grant this, Lord. We ask that you would grant this in Jesus' name, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we pray for our nation, Lord. We pray in, in this hour, Lord, if we could represent this culture, if Robert and I and the, and the scores of people that are a part of this prayer meeting, if we could just stand before you right now and petition yes. you, Lord, for revival and breakthrough and justice and healing. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Take away that 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 opportunity that the enemy has used against the church and against the nation, Lord, wash us white as snow, Lord. Yes. Cleanse us, we pray. Remove the legal right that the enemy is 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 exploiting, Lord, in this hour. And Lord, if there's any secret sin, if there's any hidden sin, something that we haven't seen or understood yet, then Lord, reveal it to us. Convict us, Lord, and wash us clean, Lord. We need you in this hour, Thank Lord. You. We pray, Lord God, for all 50 states, Lord. We pray, Lord, for our next generations, Lord. We pray for those that are wounded and hurting, Lord, right now. We pray for those that have lost hope and they've even begun to give up on prayer and mm. they've lost the, the joy of living. They've lost the joy of being a part of your house of prayer. Lord, restore the joy back to people, yes. the joy of community. Lord, reconnect those fruitless ones. Lord, reconnect those rejected ones, yes. those that have just carried. I just see somebody, you just, it's like an arrow is in your heart. You feel like you're walking around with an arrow in your heart. And I just speak to that thing. In fact, I pull it out in yes. the name of Jesus. I reach out right now by the hand of God and I remove that thing. And I pour in the oil and the wine into that wound into that broken place on the inside of you. You were wounded in the house of your friends. And you said, I could have taken it if it had happened at work. If it had happened in, in my neighborhood, it would have been okay. But it happened in the house of my friends. I was wounded there. And I just speak to you, your best days are ahead of you, that God is going to allow you to suffer. He allowed you to suffer that rejection so that he could redeem you and use you even in this hour, that you are not to quit, you are not to give up, but you're to allow the healing to come because you're going to fight again. You're going to live again. You're going to dream again. You're going to laugh again. You're going to prophesy again. You're going to pray again. I'm resurrecting you, my son, my daughter, for I have healed that which was broken on the inside of you. Lord, I pray over all the intercessors. Lord, I, I'm, I know that many people have become weary in this hour. Lord, we're trying to deal with our kids, and we're trying to deal with work at home, and we're, we're going through all of this. Lord, I speak strength to your people right now that you would inspire people, people that are frightened and broken and 
and discouraged. Lord, breathe life into them, even as Robert prayed. Let the breath enter into them, Lord God. And Father, thank you for washing us and cleansing us and connecting us together as a mighty house of prayer. Lord, I pray for all the churches. I pray for the body of Christ. I pray for churches to catch the fire of prayer. And Lord, I pray for Gateway, our own, our own church family. And I pray for Robert's ministry. I pray, Lord, that you would tighten us up, Lord, and, and uh, make us stronger even yet in prayer, Lord. Oh, God, let us be that end-time house of prayer for the nations to see this culture redeemed yes. and to see Jesus receive the reward, him who was pierced, to receive the reward of his sacrifice. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just right where you are, I think you ought to just lift your hands and just say, Lord, thank you. I receive. I just receive this impartation. I receive your forgiveness. Lord, I receive a cleansing right now. I receive a fresh commissioning. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to lay aside all of my rejection and my wounds and my gripes and my complaints about the church and the family of God. I'm going to receive my place in the body of Christ, in the house of prayer, God's house of prayer, because this is the hour. This is the time. The best is yet ahead. I truly believe that. And we got to receive this now. We can't give up, Robert. We can't. Amen. We can't not be the house of prayer that God has called us to be. We got to press through. And you know, you know, the enemy's strategy has always been, it would appear, to turn the house of prayer into something else. Yeah. That's what Jesus, every time he would go in, he would say, you've turned it into something my father never intended. And even though it might not be a house of merchandise, it not, might not be a house of the, it be, it's become a house of, well, whatever. But the bottom line is what you said earlier. You know, we, we, you watch online, you watch different things, and you think, where, where are the praying people? Where are the praying people? And I believe God is raising up and putting his hand on those that will actually, they will actually be the ones that, that reshape history or shape history. You know, um, um, Reese Howes, I love the story of Reese Howes, yeah. how that, that, that literally it is documented that, that Winston Churchill credited, among other things, Reese Howes and his prayer group for the Allied victory against Germany. Because because God would show, and it was His group, it was His, it was His house of prayer, that literally would go in and stand before the Lord, and they would show them battles that were going to be fought, and they would pray and intercede until things moved, and Allied forces would win battles that they weren't supposed to win. Literally, angelic aircraft would show up in the airwaves, and the Germans flying in to bomb. The, their targets would would encounter these angelic airplanes, not knowing what they were, and would turn around and flee, and and all because of a house of prayer. And I'm telling you, if God to me, if God can do that, then in World War II, so that the nations the nations didn't go the direction they didn't need to go, then He can do that today. He can do that if, if there's a people of prayer. If there's a people of prayer. If we will pray. We pray. I say this often to our people at Gateway. We pray because it works. <laughs> we don't just beat the air. We pray because God moves when we pray. If we have faith and we believe that we can speak to mountains. And, you know, I believe things are going to change. I believe it's going to change in our nation. Yes. And I believe it's going to be because of prayer. I think the election is going to come out correctly. I think the coronavirus is going to be uh, put behind us. I think the economy is going to be healed. The kids are going to get back to school and we're going to be better than we ever were. Yes. Because we embraced what we had to embrace. We had to embrace the call to be a house of prayer yeah. during this time. Once we get that, boy, we can't be defeated. We, we can't be defeated. Well, Robert, you know, I love you so much. You're just such a great man of God. The Lord is using you all over the world, and he has certainly used you here. Thank you for blessing us. And if you're not a part of Gateway, uh, get to know Robert Henderson. And thank you for being a part of uh, First Friday Prayer at Gateway City Church. Now, don't go anywhere because there's a couple of more things that I just want to say. First of all, Robert 
if somebody wanted to get in touch with your ministry, if they wanted to bless you or read your books or find out what you're doing, how would they do that? Well, the, the easiest way would be GPEC, G-P-E-C, G-P-E-C dot world. I could give you some other websites, but, or my name, roberthenderson.org. But world uh, uh, is Global Prayer and Empowerment Center. That's actually, that actually is the house of prayer that I lead. But so it's a whole website, got all this stuff, but that's where all the products are, you know, everything that, they, they, that anybody would want to find out about. So, so either gpec.world or roberthenderson.org would be the, the two websites. Get connected with Robert and follow his ministry and buy his books and equip yourself in the area of prayer. Thank you for joining us again. I'm David Canastracy, and uh, if I don't know you, I look forward to seeing you soon. Let's connect on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Check me out. Check out Gateway City Church. The mission continues. Keep on inspiring, transformed lives. I love you, everybody. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Gateway Leadership Podcast with David King Stracy, inspiring you to lead in every area of life. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.